Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here as always with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com, and we're here to talk all things American football again this week. It's hot! Damn hot! <laughs> uh, on this week's episode, it's the first of our off-season news roundup, so we'll be... Uh, Taking a look at a couple of the bigger news stories from around the league, uh, and also having a bit uh, more of a detailed look into the NFC East as well to see how the uh, how we think the, the the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Eagles will fare for 2017. But uh, first, how are you doing, G? You uh, you feel a bit better now? You've uh, now you've had time for the for the draft to kind of sink in a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm rushing around doing lots of things, and man, you know, off-season podcasts, who knew that we'd have to be sit in horribly sweaty upstairs rooms? Well, bring, yeah. Bring on the full season and reasonable recording temperatures. And the cold, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the well, listeners we... do not want to know what state of dress I'm in right now. No, they certainly don't. I don't, so I don't know about the listeners. Um... You say that, you say that, <laughs> we both know that's just to cover so your wife doesn't get jealous. <laughs> well, this very nearly didn't happen, Virgin Media did their absolute damnedest to try and make this uh, this podcast not happen, so... So uh, we might as well get on with it and, uh, and and make the best of it, I suppose. To the football, quickly. <laughs> That's it. Uh, right. So the uh, the first of the, uh, the the news items, we're going to have a look at uh, at a few today. The uh, the first one we're going to have a look at is uh, Colin Kaepernick. He's the uh, the former Forty Nineers quarterback. Uh, he's still without a team. He decided in in March to opt out of his of his contract uh, and become a free agent. Uh, and 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 to this point, he's he's still without a team for twenty seventeen. Uh, he was a bit of a controversial figure last year. Obviously, there was a whole thing. We we mentioned it time and time again about his refusal to uh, to stand for the national anthem. Them. Um, he's not really been setting the world alight, has he, for the last couple of seasons? But do you think he could still kind of do a job somewhere? The thing is, for me, that he may not have set the world alight, but a couple of seasons ago, he went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I can't believe that he's not one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the league. Now, I'm not sure there's necessarily um, full on um, blackballing, as some have been discussing, just because that term involves a level of collusion between the teams which I'm not sure is is going on but I think the main problem is that nobody wants a backup that's going to make noise or a lot of people don't I mean the nearest we've got to him signing anywhere or at least being talked to and that's the bit that's really weird is that it seems that teams haven't been reaching out but we had a little bit of chatter from the Seattle Seahawks last week about the possibility of them signing him and actually that makes a lot of sense because they have a mobile quarterback and he with their offensive line woes he he was banged up last last season even if he didn't mm. go out injured and unlike a lot of teams it would seem to make sense to back up Kaepernick because um he would come in and their game plan wouldn't change he could run the same read options um they have you know it's a very liberal part of the country so I don't think that they're going to have problems about his activism and he's already come out and said that you know having raised a profile he wasn't planning on needing this this year but you know the Seahawks reacted to that by all standing into LinkedIn saying they wanted to sort of honor it and do something but they didn't want to protest the um, anthem which seemed a good way through so it's a fit that seems to make sense Um, and now that we're out of a window where compensation picks are involved for signings you might see it happening with their lack of their lack of QB depth but it it hasn't happened yet and it's one to keep an eye on but it's it's it still feels a bit strange yeah, I mean, you've, you've kind of touched on it already, I suppose. But do, do you think that that kneeling last year and the fact he was that controversial figure has has led to teams being maybe a little bit more cautious than they usually would have been with him? I think there are some teams where I would lean towards yes. Um, the New York Jets owner um, is a fairly um, prominent. Uh, Trump supporter and, and yeah. gave something like a million to his inauguration fund, I believe. So you know, someone like that, I suspect, won't. And you can imagine some of the more southern states, like and and sort of Texas, would not take well to such a such a person. But 
I think there's as many football reasons, and I think it's complicated. But I definitely think that yeah, it's in there somewhere, and mm. it's sad that it is. And how and how disappointing must the uh, must the Jets be that they uh, they can't get a quarterback? Like they they they're desperate for a quarterback, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> the worst thing they could have almost done is that they generated all that cap space and they went all in and won ten games, and that seems to have hamstrung them because they've now got an aging roster and they've got to reset with a coach who's like two seasons in. So yeah. it, the, the timing just seems all off, and the Jets are. The Jets, with the Browns having a much better off-season, the Jets might be heading in the direction of you know the team that's going to be badly run for the next seasons, particularly as the Bills might turn around, and I'm not sure whether we're going to discuss when we're going to discuss them if we haven't already the signing of their new GM. Yeah, we well we haven't, but we I think on the last I think on the last time they uh, they they just got rid of their GM before the uh, or just after the after the draft was. Well, it? they've new, signed a new guy over and I'm, from the Panthers, and and he's quite well respected. And if he's given his head, I kind of have a little hope that maybe the front office over in in Buffalo might be run a little little more smoothly. Mm. Well, speaking of uh, teams that may possibly need a, yeah, a quarterback at some point, the uh, the, the, the the Patriots, uh, Tom Brady, obviously legendary uh, quarterback. He's 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 a surefire Who? Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, his wife Gazelle this this week has been, has been making some quite big statements in an interview with CBS. Um, not least of all, claiming that he might be nearly done with football. She she says that he, he suffered con- uh, many. Uh, I don't know if it was many. He said he could, he suffered with con- with concussions last year, um, and that maybe he's only got one season left in him. But he's, he, he obviously he's, he's quite famously said that he wants to keep playing until he's forty five. Do you think how much do you think of that's true? Do you think he's? Uh, I can't I can't imagine that Tom Brady's particularly happy with that uh, that statement for his wife. I think there's a certain amount of tension in the household just because it, it can't be easy to watch the man you love go out and play this game when you know that you know head injuries are an issue yeah. and you know he's already one of the oldest players ever to do it and he's talking about going on like another five, six seasons at, at 40. I do wonder whether there might be some translation issues because I don't, I don't know how strong her English is and, and, I'm, and I'm not making any judgments here. It's just... It, it seemed a strange statement. I would imagine there'd be one or two conversations. I mean, the NFL have come out and said that there's been no evidence that he had a concussion. Uh, Brady hasn't said anything. The rampant anti-Patriot lobby will be saying, oh, this is yet more evidence that they cheat at every t- toss and turn. And, and I would say it's slightly more nuanced than that. And <laughs> I think the true answer is, is whether his arm talent falls off. He yeah. looks great now, but quarterbacks tend to decline rapidly. Uh, just look at sort of Peyton Manning and how quickly you know it was basically yeah. a season and a half. He went from leading the league um, in touchdowns and looking as good as ever, even if he was throwing <laughs> quite a few wobbly duck passes to yeah. to basically being a glorified handoff, manage the game and get the last touchdown. So I'm not backing him to play 45, but you know he's got he's got a couple more seasons in. You would think, and uh, but I do think there's a reason why the Patriots held on to Garoppolo. Yeah, I completely agree. But like, I think, like you say, obviously the, uh, the, the there is a very steep cliff for the, for, a, for a quarterback once it, once they get to that point, they they do tend to go downhill very very quickly. Um, I, I personally, I think I think Garoppolo, I think he's got a got a good future in him. Um, I think Garoppolo is going to be he's going to be one of those uh, those players that actually will will come out quite well from this. I, don't, I remember I can't, who was it the uh, was it Matt Castle the, who was who was behind. Um, Brady a couple a few seasons back and uh, went and I think it must have been about two thousand eight. Yeah, when, when uh, went played the entire season when um, Brady had a knee injury. Yeah, that's it. And so they've they've shown that they can they can build. 
credible quarterbacks in the uh, in that in that position from from number two. So I don't think there's any there's there's no uh, no concerns there for me. I wouldn't have thought if I'm a Patriots fan in the in that you got Garoppolo as uh, as that backup. I think that as a Patriots fan, you would probably have um, plenty of faith in the um, infrastructure, the Patriots, and as long as uh, Bill Belichick doesn't go anywhere, that you'd feel pretty comfortable that they will find a way and they would at least be competitive, even if mm. they won't hit the heights of what they've got with Brady. Yeah, yeah. I, like you say, I, th- I think he's got a couple more seasons in him, even even if he did uh, potentially have a uh, have a concussion uh, next next week. So sorry, next week, last year. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's. Uh, I think the. Uh, I think the. Uh, the future is still still quite uh, quite rosy for the Patriots, given the, also given all of the. They've picked up a hundred, about a hundred wide receivers in the, in the off season as well. So <laughs> yeah, he's, they've he's, certainly loaded up on, on um, options for Brady in the passing yeah, game, haven't he's they? He's got plenty of people to uh, to hand it off to, as to, to pass it off to. So yeah, he's he's actually got plenty of people to to hand it off to. Um, I know yeah. it was a bit of a slip and a misbeat, but actually they've, <laughs> they've got plenty of running backs exactly to select meant. from. So you know, it, it was a nice accidental piece of commentary. There. I commend you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Not at all, darling. <laughs> so uh, yeah, n- number uh, piece of news number three: the, uh, the the overtime situation. So the league has just voted um, as as we speak now. Yesterday, the uh, the league voted um, on 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 overtime, and it's it's. Uh, what they've what the league have basically voted is that uh, they're, they're going to reduce the uh, the, the the time uh, of the, the the overtime quarter from fifteen minutes down to ten minutes. Um, I personally don't think it's going to be that, make that much of a difference. It's certainly, if you look at the, at the at the numbers side of things, it's not going to make that much of a difference. In the last five seasons, there have been eighty three games where it's gone to overtime, and only only twenty two of them, twenty six percent, went past ten minutes. And in fact, in that in that same period, the 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 average time elapsed over overtime was seven minutes and forty three seconds. So, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's going to make really much of a difference at all? I think I've, I I. I do think it might be worth doing, but I would blow it up completely in a different way. Because here's the thing. It's not that it happens all the time, but if you look at the record of teams that have played the full 50 minutes overtime the following week, there's something Mm. like one and five in the last couple of seasons. Because we've had it a few times, and the Bengals have have done it twice in the last... two maybe three seasons but uh, we did it last year against Washington and we did it against Panthers in very recent history and both times we just flat out lost and looked flat as hell my solution to be honest with player safety and all all the news we've got going on is um, just have a damn draw we don't get that many of them it's not that difficult you you have 16 games it's the Americans obsession there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser and it's like the dumbing down of the internet where everything is black and white and everything is wrong and the death of nuance it's just like let's just have a draw Get over yourselves with your. Oh, it's three, four, and one, and that's so much worse than going three and four or four and four. It's just like I think if we're serious about player safety, let's not play a fifth quarter unless we yeah. really need to, i.e., overtime in the playoffs when you you're, do have to have a winner. You're right, and I mean there's there's 260 odd games in a season. The, the fact there have been 83 games that would have ended in ties if there was no overtime in the last five seasons. Is it means that it's it's not a huge amount, is it? It doesn't really matter. This is going to be one of those cultural things where 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 any American listeners we yeah, have will yeah, be yeah. shouting at, at, at whatever podcast instrument that they are listening to, going, <laughs> "Shut up, you imbeciles! This is important." And the rest of us in Europe and possibly the world who have other sports that you know can handle draws will be just going, "Dudes, get over it." Yeah, no, you're right. I think there'd, there'd have been a bloody riot at Wembley if we uh, if we for the, for the game that we were at the other the other month. Oh. <laughs> 
seats would have gone flying. Um, do you think? I mean, are, are there any? Is there anything else do you think they can do to, to potentially overhaul how, how games are settled? If, if they if they didn't if they did want to make sure that there was a there was a, a, a sure fire winner, I think it's winner. really hard to do. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the college rules where I think both teams are guaranteed to either drive. So rather than you get in the Super Bowl where the Patriots, you know, march down, score, and that's it, and the game's over. Um, I I, I maybe quite fancy that just because it it, it gives the other team a right of reply. Otherwise, I think, you know, alternatives, we don't have good solutions for this. If you look at um, football or soccer for for you Americans, (laughs) uh, the penalty shootout is all full of drama, but isn't necessarily the best team. And you have like sort of drop kick competitions when in the unlikely event of of like a tie after extra time in rugby. But but even more so in American football, it feels feels like a really even more random way to decide a football game, you know, via kicking. So I think you just, I just think you have overtime both sides are guaranteed to drive and you know who wins or scores a touchdown first i think they go the uh, the way of the cardinals and they put a bin in the uh, in the in the middle and they just get the, the, the all the defensive players to start trying to uh, trying to throw uh, the ball into a bin yeah, what, what, basically, so, so you're not even bothering with quarterbacks you're going no no that's to too easy <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Surely, if you're doing that, you want to uh, you want the defensive tackles throwing yeah, well, the ball. That's it. Well, anyone like that, anyone on the defense, you, I'll let them choose. I'm disappointed. You, you know, Dante Dontare Poe <laughs> threw a touchdown last oh, he season. Did. He and, did, and good you point. didn't mention it off the back of that. I was quite proud, and you didn't pick it up, my friend. I completely forgot. <laughs> One of my highlights of the season. That was. That's it. Well, um, moving uh, moving on uh, swiftly. <laughs> Final bit of news we're uh, we're going to have a look at in uh, in a bit of uh, detail is, is Calvin Johnson. Uh, obviously, Megatron. Um, he. he he retired at the end of the 15-16 season. Uh, former Lions wide receiver. He doesn't feel like he was treated right when he was when he was leaving the leaving the Lions. Is the uh, is the is the quote that's come out uh, come out this week? Um, he was made to pay back some of his, his 2012 signing bonus. Uh, do you think? I think that's a bit harsh given for given what he did for the franchise. I think that's a little bit harsh, personally. I do. The thing is. The NFL is a business, and there are certain franchises that run in certain ways. And I, mm. I can see a bunch of franchises that wouldn't have done it. They're entitled to do it, and you see that quite often with retirements. But given the length of service and his ability, yeah, I personally would have let it go. I mean, it sounds ridiculous because a million dollars is a lot of money, but to the kind of person who owns and runs a, a football franchise, in the grand scheme of what's going on with that team, I would imagine they could afford it. And so, yeah, it does seem a bit weird when it's not just any player, but but basically the second face of your franchise behind Barry yeah. Sanders. Well, absolutely. I mean, do you think do you think he he, he was was missed last year? Obviously, they, I think they I think they got a better win percentage and got themselves into the, into the playoffs without him. But as, I as a think... team, do you think? I think it was one of those curious um, situations where it was addition by subtraction because I think that I think that Matthew Stafford distributed the ball more evenly without Johnson, and so when he didn't have that safety blanket of just yeah. throwing the ball up to him, I think he moved the ball, and I think maybe the offense flowed a little better because because they were running the offense rather than just throwing it up to Megatron, but. It's a little unfair because, you know, this was the second season of um, Jim Bob Cooter, who I really rate, and there's been a transformation since he took over that offence. And so I, 
I think it, they were better last year, but I don't think it was because they didn't have Megatron. But I think, you know, there was some stuff going around. But um, as, as I like to say fairly often, um, correlation does not equal causality. So do you think he's, do you think he's going to go into the, into the Hall of Fame? Obviously, when he becomes uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame, do you think he's um, likely to, uh, to, to, to be quite easily... Uh, to get in, he's he, over his over his career he went into six Pro Bowls. Um, he led the led the league in, uh, in in receiving yards twice, um, and and he still holds the NFL record for one thousand nine hundred sixty four yard receiving yards in a season. My gut instinct is that he feels like a pro the Pro Bowl feels like a Hall of Fame receiver, but there's there's a bit of a stacking up, and I don't think he'll have the Terrell Owens problem of you know the press and everything else, yeah. but. He didn't have a team success, and I wonder if that'll hurt him, and it might take him some time with the politics and what's going on with the stacking up of receivers. But doesn't he feel like a Hall of Fame receiver to you just because he was, for a stretch, you know, probably the best receiver in the game on a team that was not blessed with a lot of talent? Yeah, of course. He... he was he pretty much made that team while he while he was there. He was he, he very much he, he was he was great. I personally would would put him straight in, but like you say, there is a bit of a bit of a backlog of uh, of, of wide receivers to potentially go into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. So it, it might take him some time, possibly. Yeah. There's been a uh, just just before we uh, we fought, quickly before we move on. There's been a, a death in the NFL as well, hasn't there? For the uh, one of the a former a former uh, Seahawk. Yeah, and speaking of um, Hall of Famers, uh, Cortez Kennedy. Uh, defensive tackle um, was said to be one of the defensive tackles that sort of introduced the idea that you could get sacks from that position and mm. got a lot of sacks or like was the first defensive tackle to get a lot of sacks I have to confess that this was back in the 90s when I was basically following the Bengals through the um, <laughs> through the power of websites and so I, maybe my knowledge of the league wasn't as rounded as I would like to think it is now but Obviously, it's sad. It's been a tough couple of weeks up for for the guys up in Seattle. What with Chris Cornell's death and and now this, and it's just, it's always sad. And very young. I don't have any details or haven't seen any details of what's going on. But he, he was only like forty eight, I think. He was not yeah, an old was. man. No, I, like you say, I'm I'm in a similar position. He's not somebody I I know a lot about. He was, I think he was he was slightly before I, I think he was ninety to two thousand was his was his uh, was when he played, wasn't it? So it's slightly before I uh, I kind of got into the game. But uh, I've, from what I've read over the last over the last couple of days since since his, his death has been announced, it's yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big shame. And like you say, I bet the uh, the people of the people of uh, Seattle are not having a great time of it at the minute. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I'm fairly certain he was one of the early DTs to get um, double-digit sack numbers in the season. Yeah. So, you know, a, a fine player, and, and I'm sure, um, yeah, very sad for his family and the fans of Seattle. So we're going to do it a little bit differently this year. Last year we had obviously AFC and NFC podcasts specifically, uh, and this year because we're uh, we're podcasting with some uh, some news throughout the uh, the summer, we're going to uh, have a look at a uh, another division every every week. So uh, this this first week we're going to have a look at the uh, NFC East, uh, and we're going to do a bit of a preview and um, see how we uh, we th- what we think to uh, the chances of the teams in in, in that league. Um, so uh, last year we finished Dallas Cowboys were uh, were top with on thirteen and three, uh, the Giants second and. 11 and 5 uh, Washington Redskins were 8 7 and 1 and then uh, at the at the foot of that uh, that division was the Philadelphia Eagles 7 and 9 so we'll go through in that uh, in that division uh, in that division we'll go through in that uh, the order uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, they looked like they were going to absolutely run away with it for me at one point uh, in the year but uh, then they, they they ended up uh, i mean in the in the in the postseason they ended up, they got they had a bye first week and then the second week they yeah, they lost to the to the Packers didn't they 31 34 yeah and it was uh 
they sort of got behind for a bit and then that Prescott demonstrated that um, he wasn't just sort of like a regular season quarterback mm. and got over those jitters and really pulled them back into contention and, and if memory serves <laughs> as Aaron Rodgers had to do Aaron Rodgers type things to, to get him to win the game and so it all looked very good the problem they had last season was um, the defence wasn't really holding up and they lost basically a bunch of players um, particularly on that side side of the um, ball and you know people, players like Barry Church going and they were not exactly strong on defence and it's already you think that the offence will be okay but they've had some changes on the offensive line mm. so they might not be as strong but they, they drafted quite heavily for, for defence and that's going to be the big question for this year is, is are they going to have enough enough players play well to survive I mean honestly they've got three corners and a safety according to this draft tracker so you know I'm not sure they're all drafting to start but <laughs> They got a defensive end, you know, it was a defense heavy heavy draft, but with a young defense, it, it, it okay, defensive players might be able to get in quicker, but that, if anything, is going to be their Achilles heel, I wonder. Well, I think I think last year one of the things that they did particularly well was 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 draft. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott with the, with the standout performance from their from their draft. Do you think what do you think any of their rookies this year are going to make a similar kind of impression? I I don't know. I never like to get too much because you, you're relying on draft your sort of draft type and, and what other people have seen because we don't follow college. So yeah. it it feels like they got a solid defensive end at the start of the first round and then. It, the names don't mean a lot to me. I'll be honest. The, the thing no. to remember is that the cornerback draft was deep, and so and, and actually so was the safeties. And so if there's a draft to take, you know, a few players, then that's it. And they, they've got plenty of numbers, so it, it's going to be a case of seeing how they shape up in training camp and how they're going to go into the year. The other thing, of course, is that they won't have a leadership of Tony Romo. You know, not mm. only was he um, okay, he was injured last season, but you know he was back and backing was up, there. and, and, and yeah. there is a there is a voice for Dak Prescott, and that's very much gone this year. And you know, we'll see if it affects the team at all because you know it is very much Prescott's team now. It certainly is. Well, they, like like we said, they, they they did get rid of quite a few players this off season, haven't they? They've, and they've not they've not really uh, looking at the, the list of names of people who they who they they picked up. They, they didn't really pick anyone of of note up. Not not that I could see. No, they really didn't. I, I mean, a lot of this is to do with um, cap management. And as good as they've been at drafting recently, they've needed to be because they Dallas Cowboys have been one of those teams that have tended to extend players and and redo deals to to mm. to get themselves under the cap and so sign things into the future. There is still a lot of money for Tony Romo on the books, and I believe that will, you know, come off at the end of next year. I'm not an expert on cap management, but basically, the more that you pump things down the road, at some point that's going to crunch and, and yeah. mean, you know, the cap doesn't forgive and it doesn't forget, as a certain Andrew Brandt likes to say. And the Cowboys <laughs> are one of those teams, much like the Saints, who um, seem to go into every off season juggling for space. The Steelers are another one who are a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the uh, the New York Giants? Eleven and five last season. Uh, they they were the only team who managed to beat the Cowboys twice. They seem to to kind of keep the pressure on them, certainly towards the end of the back end of the season when uh, when the when the Cowboys dropped a, a couple. Um, they also went out to the Packers in Wild Card Week as well. Yeah, but I was totally wrong about the Giants because I was, as you as you are aware, I, I very much believe in draft and develop, and I'm sceptical about um, free agent signings. Not that they can't yes. work; I think they can work individually if you're careful. What the Giants managed to do was go out and 
and pick up a um, free agent at every level of a defense and have them all play really well. And they jumped something like 17 places or something ridiculous in, in total defense and played much better than I was expecting. Uh, you're not going to see that again this year, but they've already bought Brandon Marshall in, who short term is going to be interesting. And, and they've had some problems with the offense, which seemed to not fire so much last year. Um, and, and they need someone to play around um, Odell Beckham. And I do wonder with Brandon Marshall's sort of noted early career problems and, and, and mental health issues, which he's talked about openly I do wonder whether he might be an interesting voice for Odell to pick the brains of just in terms of focusing and controlling his emotion on the sidelines which sometimes gets the better of him but in terms of free agency I think it was a much quieter this season we still have questions about their linebacking core um, and possibly their offensive line which has not been the best Um, and we'll see how it goes but they've got receiver they picked up a tight end in the first round and I don't know if Davis Webb is a, a, like a true, true, true replacement for for Eli Manning, or whether they just wanted to have a young quarterback on the roster because some guys believe doing that. But they didn't have a lot of picks this season, so I don't know how different they'll be. But I was surprised by them last year, so I'm certainly not going to make any early pronouncements about them this year because I was fairly horribly wrong. Yeah, well, I can't, I can't see them uh, thinking that, that he's he's going to be a, a, a someone to to challenge Eli Manning. I wouldn't have thought, but. He might be there for the future. Yeah, I, I, I think he I think it was. Uh, we've got him rated here, and we could do with someone to develop. It's it's a yeah. sensible pick. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't know how long Eli Manning. Do you think how, how long do you think he's got left in him? It's hard to say with these mid thirties quarterbacks because there's sort of want, desire, how well you look after yourself, and then there's your your physical health. It's sort of like such a shame. Tony Romo sort of just really hit like a peak, and, and his body let him down. Yeah. So it's hard to say with Eli Manning how long he'll last but he has, he's not really played for well for about the last 18 months so no, it'd be interesting to see see if if his form improves or whether that becomes becomes an issue at some point obviously when you've won your team two Super Bowls you get a certain amount of leeway but at some point the um, New York fans and let's face it New York is not always the most patient of cities uh, might begin to lose patience with him I, I can absolutely see that coming uh, relatively shortly I would say <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the Redskins Washington Redskins they uh, finished third in the division they were 8-7 and seven, uh, sorry 8-7-1 and one, sorry we, we did see that one didn't we um, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the end of the season uh, just over 0.500 for the year um, they've got some fairly big names like Josh Norman Kirk Cousins named just a couple um, and they've done quite well to keep hold of them haven't they obviously Kirk Cousins they, they, had, they had to franchise tag him again um, are there any other players that you think they've, they've picked up who, who look particularly impressive to you I find Washington's off-season was weird. You had the whole thing with Scott McLuhan and, you know, talking about him drinking again and and that's never been sort of really fully sorted out and there were a number Mm. of players who've come out and said not necessarily the true or they hadn't seen it. They lost over 2,000 yards worth of receiving in losing... um, both Pierre Garçon and oh, I'm blanking on the other Speedy Macklin who went to went to Tampa Bay and so they've sort of got to juggle around the offence and they've yet to commit Kirk Cousins and it feels like in playing hardball with him um, when he, I reckon if you've given him what was like a league average quarterback um, sum yeah 
and given him a few years, he'd have stayed. I get the feeling he's going to play out this um, contract. And he's he's kind of been very diplomatic and said everything you want, want to say, I want to play for a team that want me. Um, he's not called out Washington. He's played a good soldier. But it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere like San Francisco, who have his old coordinator, f- offer him a boatload of money because, um, mm. you know, they're young and rebuilding a lot of talent, that he wouldn't, he might not be out of there. I'm not sure how happy he is about the way Washington is run. Given what on earth has been going on with the GM and the fact they fired him and went into the draft without one, yes. uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he's going. And, you know, he, he's made something like $43 million off, a million over the last two seasons on a franchise tag, So, and he might hit free agency, and Lord knows what a quality starter will make on the free agency market because they don't get there very often. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, first round in the draft, they uh, they, they drafted Jonathan Allen, uh, defensive end. Um, he's not someone I know about know a lot about personally, but he, from what everything I've, that I've seen, he, he comes really kind of highly recommended, right? Highly, quite highly rated. How do you think he's going to fit in? Um, I think he fits a need. I mean, I'm not. It's you have good opinions and bad opinions. What I like is they didn't do any huge trading, and they needed pass rush and he's meant to be able to get them pass rush so that fits well um yeah. we'll just have to see how it rolls out after that but they picked a de and an out and an offensive line uh, an outside offensive linebacker an outside mm-hmm. linebacker and their big problem was pass rush in the front seven last season so you can see that they're still working on that on that defense it feels like despite all the the turmoil that they had a relatively okay off season although I do find it odd that they let both pass catchers go but the real proof is going to be how they run this season what they do with the coach at the end of the season and what happens to Kirk Cousins yeah um, well uh, the final team in that uh, division holding up the uh, the division were the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, they, they were I would say they were probably a bit disappointed with their performance in the season especially after after they kind of dominated the first few weeks of the season um, Carson Wentz seemed to be a particularly bright spark from the uh, from, from the get go obviously he was their uh, their first round pick uh, but he really he kind of struggled to to once once the momentum kind of slowed down a bit he struggled to kind of keep up didn't he do you think do you think they can kind of get back to their best again this year um, I think you end up being a little bit harsh about them. I think if you'd well, asked fans before that four-game win streak, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a second, they'd have they'd have kind of felt that 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 where they ended up uh, wasn't wasn't too bad, considering where the season was before and the amount of overhaul that was going on. Uh, Carson Wentz looked good early, but let's be honest, he was working with one of the worst um, receiver corps in 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 the game, and yeah, so. Yeah. I think you know that has clearly been an off-season priority. They've brought in Alshon Jeffrey and uh, uh, Torrey Smith and drafted players as well. And I think you know their focus is to try and help out, um, help out Wentz by surrounding with some talent. You know, if they went mm. well, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver in drought in in, um, in the fourth round, and so the other need for them was cornerback, and they picked up a couple of them. Doug Peterson, you, you, you'll just have to see whether how well he can develop the offense going on, and what, how much was him being the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid? Because Andy Reid, as we know, is a very, very good offensive coordinator, and I don't know how much input Doug Peterson had. And so we're, we're going to really see how he develops because there was no question that Wentz had command of his offense in a few weeks, and I think that stayed. But it's how you develop that, how he develops, and with hopefully some better receivers around him, um, how he mm. progresses in his second year. And I mean, looking looking specifically at those receivers, you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey as well, the uh, the wide receiver that they've picked up um, in the off season from the Bears. He was obviously franchise tagged by them last year. Um, 
He's got to be seen as a as a big upgrade to the to the receiving team, hasn't he? Yeah, and Tyre Smith can stretch stretch for defense, and and you just if he's fit and he's healthy, and and you know then you can maybe take the pressure off their existing players because rather than being like trying to play up to being a number one receiver when they're not, there might be a bit more balance. And also, the other thing about the receivers, it felt like the Eagles had lots of the same receiver. And and it feels like with with for most teams, what you need is almost like a. a I'm going to use a basketball analogy, but you you need like options. So you need your big possession receiver, or you know, if you can get it, your true number one like AJ Green. But you also need your shifty slot guy and your speedster to take the, the top off the defense. And one of the reasons I quite like the John Ross pick for the Bengals is because you stick AJ Green on one side, and then you stick a burner with his speed at the other, and you can't cheat the safety to one side. And that's going to open up the running game and cause problems. And the the Eagles, you will be hoping, will have a bit more balance because Wentz had to throw a lot of under stuff last season. Some of that receivers, some of that's arm strength, and we'll just have to see how he develops this year. But this is this, I think, will will know a lot. You know, come mid season with how the team's developing and how things are settling in. Mm. Kind of slightly off topic, we mentioned it a couple of times. Franchise tag. It's a yeah. It's a term that I would imagine a lot of people who, if you if you don't know much about American football, you wouldn't know a lot about it. Do you want to do you want to just do a, a quick summary of what a franchise tag is? The franchise tag was brought in not in the last CBA or collective bargaining agreement, but the one before. Uh, what it means is is it's a option that the player the teams have to set on one player. Well, we won't go too much into it because there are a couple of other different tags. But basically, what it yeah. gives them is it means that the player can't leave and doesn't hit free agency but has to sign for um, the team he's, he's playing for for a year for the average of the top five players paid at that position so for quarterbacks that number gets very big very early yeah. It, yeah. the idea of it was for franchises to be able to keep their star players and not lo- lose them and particularly thinking small market teams the problem with that is that you can seen it used like that but a lot of teams you know you'll quite often see the Patriots using it to keep hold of their kicker because um, it, it's a it's a very sort of like cost effective move because kickers don't make that money and there are certain mm-hmm. positions where it can really hamper uh, Gronk would be another good example because tight ends don't get paid much and there's two or three tight ends that make you know could be worth huge amounts of money if they could just get out of um, franchise tag period and get into free agency yeah and um, back to the NFC East just uh, I know it's very very early days yet and I know you hate making predictions which is why I'm going to make you do this who do you think is going to win the division this year you just want to talk to me because um, <laughs> well the, the, on a serious note so much can change we know yeah. through, through training camp with injuries etc uh, I would imagine it will be between the Cowboys and the Giants to yeah. be honest uh, Cowboys have what happened on last year and I happen to think that despite his minor head injury from a car crash, Ezekiel Elliott will be very good again this season. That Prescott, I think, looked very good. Uh, and so I have faith that they will be competitive, but worry about the defence. Obviously, the Giants, I'm still a little bit worried about, but, you know, another season under, under their new head coach, we'll see how that goes. Washington, the turmoil uh, in sort of on offence worries me, but we'll see how it develops. And I think the Eagles will be there or thereabouts, like they were last season but you know this is early days and they're still developing but yeah if I had you know if you were forcing me to make a choice which I suppose which you I are I, yes. I would say it's going to be towards between Cowboys and Giants and I'd lean Cowboys I would absolutely tend to agree oh, I felt that one way up here 
Well, that'll about do it for another week of the Wrong Football Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've heard, please do remember to give us a like or a subscribe and even a review through uh, whatever medium you procure your podcasts. It really does help us to uh, to get into as many pairs of ears as we possibly can. Uh, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks with a roundup of uh, the news between uh, now and then, including the results of the NFL's top 100 players poll. Uh, and we'll also be taking a look at the NFC North, which is always one of the most uh, competitive divisions in the league. I always quite enjoy looking out for those. Uh, in the meantime, check out thewrongfootball.com for more uh, from the mind of G and remember uh, if you want to get in touch with us you can either drop us a an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com or find either G or myself on Twitter at wrongfootball or at twfdan. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Bye! <laughs>